With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back on another episode of the Anonymous Eagle Podcast. My name is Patrick Leary. I'm joined, as always, by my podcast partner in crime, Sam Newberry. Sam, um, how did you celebrate your National Marquette Day in as much detail as you would like to share? Let's not get into the specifics. Um, <laughs> some of it gets kind of ugly. but um, uh, Yeah, it's, you know, I think it's rather generally a hazy uh, time of day. I think that just part of the allure of it in general is like running into someone you haven't seen in like two years, like after you've been out for like three hours, there's, there's some sort of just like intrinsic awesomeness in that. Um, but, uh, I, I, we won't get too deep into the specifics. I was a, I was a good cross section of the, uh, the crowd attitude and probably inebriation level come game time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think, uh, I, I experienced a lot of different levels of, uh, inebriation around me, I would say. Um, and it was, Certainly an electric atmosphere. I guess that's a good place to start. Fun basketball game. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Like, one of the best crowds I've experienced. Um, As I've said on many occasions on this podcast, uh, I did not go to the uh, Villanova um, uh, win two years ago. So um, this, as far as just crowd experience goes, was obviously up there. just an incredible uh, atmosphere. Um, everyone uh, in the arena sort of understood what the the importance of the game, um, you know, what it meant and how uh, valuable a win was. And uh, they stayed in it the whole time. Uh, you know, Villanova, I think Marquette helped themselves a lot by building a lead to start the second half because I think a lot of times um, when the five-serve crowd gets most frustrated – um, is around the start of the second half if Marquette's not going well. Um, and they, I mean, they opened up a big lead to start the second half. Now, obviously, Villanova did their Villanova thing and chipped away at it. Um, but I thought overall the crowd was with them the whole time. And, um, you know, anything goes a different way and they might lose that game. But I think the crowd, um, was certainly, um, one of the, uh, things that willed them over the line as narrowly as it, as they ended up getting. Yeah. I mean, um, every time that the crowd needed to respond to something, every time it felt like all of the wind had been taken out of the, uh, Marquette sales, sort of every time Nova did the Nova thing where they just punch you for like six to eight straight points in rapid succession. Um, the crowd answered. Uh, that's that was huge. Um, I mean, Nova shooting, you know, ten of fifteen from free throw, not to be discounted. Nova shooting nine of twenty nine from three, not to be I discounted. I guess I should probably pull up my box box score. <laughs> but the time to do that. I think um, having seen the quieter years, 
to come back and see just how involved the crowd was in a game like this. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to pull off that miraculous 16-point deficit being a race to win um, against the number one team on your own court. And it's weird to be, you know, sort of the analytic favorite and the, uh, you know, the we can argue if Marquette is actually the better team than Nova. But um, I think it certainly could be said that for that day, Marquette, you know, looked as legit as Marquette probably ever has. Oh, yeah. I mean, or I, I guess don't think... for this year. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't think any either result would have been un. I don't think either result would have been unfair, and I think we very much thought that going into the game it would be like that. I mean, I I think it was on paper a one possession game to either side that was going to matter on the last possession, um, unless stuff got wonky down the stretch, um, and sure enough, it did. I mean, it's exactly how it played out. I don't think it's surprising at all. Um, I could see it in two weeks playing out similarly in Philadelphia. I could also see Villanova um, just having a really good shooting game and winning by a lot. But um, it, I, I just think the uh, Villanova has sort of all the um, swagger, um, cockiness probably isn't the word, but swagger of being the team that has essentially um, dominated and owned this conference uh, since it was uh, reformed. And I think um, Marquette is talented enough uh, to hang with them for 40 minutes, and they did, and they won. Um, but um, I think it was a bit of a mental uh, block that Marquette had to get by, um, and they did it successfully. Um uh, specific uh, stuff. Um, Sakar Anum. Side. Yeah. Sakar Anum. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sakar Anum. I mean, best game of his career. Like, sorry. Hands down. Other yeah. scoring games, but overall, offense and defense, just fantastic. Um, total gamer. Um, totally ne- necessary because of the quiet games from the Hauser brothers. Um, completely needed it needed every bit of it and he he gave it to you um and man um you cannot talk enough about his offensive improvement in the big east i mean we saw him you know uptick a bit at the end of last year um and then he sort of uh faded into the background to start this year and that partially i think came about because joey hauser had such a good such a strong start to the season that the emphasis wasn't necessarily there on Sakar, um, and there were, it was even if they were playing a good game, he could kind of disappear offensively. Um, yesterday, Joey Hauser um, struggled again, and uh, I mean it was full necessity for Sakar, and he completely delivered. Um, and by yesterday, I of course mean Saturday. Um, I don't know. We're recording this on a Monday evening. Um, but yeah, no, Sakar, I, I can't say enough. Um, uh, best offensive rating on Marquette's side, um, even though, uh, he had a teammate score 38 points. Um, and we can talk about that teammate who I thought, um, you know, I think he delivered a fairly, it's not, not routine because what he, what he did, um, especially with his two-point shooting, I think was um, 
above where he normally is. And really, his ability to score, um, I don't know, at will, but um, relatively at will, I suppose, um, was a huge key to the game. And it was one of his better scoring uh games both in how many points he ended up scoring and just the effectiveness and efficiency and a variety of ways he managed to score um that uh you know it was one of his better uh, offensive games of the season which was huge because they really needed it um you know he had five turnovers um and i think um he's gonna struggle in certain situations including um situations where um a botched uh, execution leaves him one-on-one with a 6'7 guy with, like, massive wingspan, um, as happened on Marquette's last offensive possession. Um, And I think to say that he's developing a reputation for not being able to execute on those last possessions based on the last two games is unfair um, because I think that last possession, um, he kind of got screwed. Like... I don't blame him, really. He had nothing else to do besides try to go by Sadiq Bey, but, you know, that's really not easy when you're his size. Um, so I'm not mad about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I just think the defense really stepped up on that last possession um, because, I mean, they, the defense played well all game. To hold Villanova um, like they did was impressive, but... Um, I, there are a lot of, uh, places where Marquette could have executed a little bit better, um, at different, at different points of the game, but I think overall, um, it was a great, it was a pretty solid, um, team effort, if not a very balanced scoring effort. The defense though, um, came together as a team extremely well. Um, and yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, getting that win is more important than any sort of individual, um, uh, performance coming out of it. Um, but I would like to see obviously, um, better, um, games from the Housers uh, moving forward. I mean, sure. Uh, I think that's, I guess I'm looking at, uh, Joey's stat line and even though he didn't hit a bucket, um, I mean, four rebounds, five assists. Um, he was still a pretty big cog in the machine. He was fine in a complimentary yeah. role, absolutely. Like he, yeah. he, it's not like he didn't help in any way. It's just that they've come, become so accustomed to him being the third scoring option, and for him to string together a couple of bad games in a row is is not sure. a great sign for them going forward. But you're right. I think um, he contributed um, where he really struggled defensively in against the switchable St. John's lineup thought he contributed a lot better um defensively uh uh on saturday and i also think you know you're right in saying that he contributed in other ways yeah and then i mean um obviously this is a game where almost all of the points came from marcus and sakar um underrated performances um even though he was o of two from the floor uh ed morrow i think did admirably um when called upon um I just remember a couple very – he's listed as having two offensive rebounds, and I think I remember them both pretty vividly as being yeah, important and, you know, maybe stopping another, you know, four-point swing, five-point swing. Um, and then Brendan Bailey um, 
playing some defense. Um, you know, the the big one in particular where you read that out of bounds. Uh, or when uh, I forget yeah. which Nova player was falling out of bounds. but it was uh, a perfect he, save right yeah. to him. Perfect save right to Bailey's hands, and he put it away. I mean, um, yeah. I think there's a lot of underrated performances coming out of uh, some people who, you know, the metrics and the stats don't love as much. Um, but, you know, uh, more than anything, like you said, it's important to get the win. Um, shout out to that Villanova team. Um, they had a, an awful shooting day against us and lost by one. Um, you know, they yeah. stormed back from 15 down at one point um, to take well, a Well, let's not – yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't a good shooting day, but – it, awful by their standards, I think, is a better way to put it than awful in general. Well, Obviously. yeah, it, it wasn't like Xavier at against us at home. It wasn't that bad. But I don't know. I I think that Villanova, after watching that game, um, seeing Villanova in person, um, I, I'd be hard-pressed to say that Villanova isn't the class of the conference just because of this. I mean, they do still have a, a win up on us, or at least one less loss than us. Um you know, and yeah, they'll probably stumble down the line a little bit and maybe lose a random one. Um, but at this point, I think if Marquette wants to catch them, they have to be perfect the rest of the way through the conference. Um, yeah, I that, agree. That team still looks like the class of the Big East. So, um, I'm cur- I am a lot more interested in um, the Villanova away game now after watching that game because I think there are a lot of um, – there were a lot of things that Marquette didn't do particularly effectively in that game that they probably wouldn't win on the road. Um, if that game was played extremely similarly. Um, so I'm really interested in that game because that game obviously could dictate a lot of um, outcomes uh, towards the end of the season, as far as championship seating, et cetera. Um, and yeah, Villanova, I mean, that's two stinkers in a row for them um, because the Creighton overtime game on was Wednesday. Not no, it was one of the worst. I'd imagine it was one of the worst offensive games in the big East this year in a, in a down year. And those are probably the two purest offense versus defense teams in the conference. Um, and so Creighton context was missing uh, Zegarowski and Alexander um, in that game, but they still like, and so and so what what they did was they sort of muddied it up and sort of shot significantly less threes, um, and sort of let Martin Crample have like a very high usage, um, which is kind of an interesting shift in general, especially since. Maybe they should do that maybe a little bit more in general because it really improved their defense. Um, but Villanova, yeah, had another bad shooting game that night. So I guess you're just the fix for Villanova is to shoot 38% instead of 30% from three, and then they'll you know, probably win most of their games going forward. Um, but they do have a three-game stretch um, after Wednesday, which is a home game against Providence. Where uh, in a in a in a seven day span they play at St. John's at Georgetown at Xavier. Now, are those particularly difficult games? I don't know. Like, but the three game road stretch after sort of a, a 
trending down momentum. Ken Palm has all of those win probabilities between 55 and 70% um, for Villanova, which is, I mean, fine for, is impressive, I guess, for an away, away stretch. But um, I don't know. Um, I, I can't really tell whether Villanova is going to hit a bit of a bump um, in the back half of their schedule or whether, um, you know, they're just kind of better than everybody else and they're going to kind of cruise um, unless they have legit challenges like um, Marquette again or um, at Seton Hall. Ken Palm hasn't projected to win all their games from here on out, um, but obviously um, sort of the game-to-game is not a real strength of Ken Palm's, like, overall projection. Like, Ken Palm's got good game-for-game projections but using the game for game projections to look at an overall schedule is not a real strength of of the the acronym i suppose or not the acronym uh the algorithm um somebody who was not a computer science guy yeah no not me um but uh yeah i don't know ken palm still doesn't project to lose um two conference games in the overall accounting so yeah who I knows mean, how it'll play out um i, I think but, i uh, I think I agree with that. Um, I yeah, can... I, I don't know. I think Marquette could sweep them. Yeah, I, I think I don't think that's don't their think toughest Marquette... game left is at or is Marquette at home. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, maybe at Seton Hall, but um, but yeah, I I, I don't know. Mar- Marquette clearly will struggle with a team like St. John's. I don't think Villanova presents nearly the matchup challenge. I think it's a quality. It's a quality situation. Uh, Villanova is a really talented team, um, but I don't think Marquette matches up poorly having watched that game um, in in any particular way. Um, I don't think Eric Pascoe really posed any sort of matchup challenges that I thought he could. Um, Sakari Annam did a great job on Phil Booth, and Phil Booth didn't do a great job on Marcus Howard. So I don't... I don't know. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a huge matchup challenge at all. Sorry, I keep like turning my head to check the score of the North Carolina game. North Carolina's on a on a 10-0 run right now, and they like have completely turned around half court halftime deficit. Sure. The ACC is infinitely more interesting than the Big East. No offense to the Big East. The Big East is interesting. It just is definitely not yeah. as good this year. Interesting in a in a um, positive kind sense. Of cluster uh, sure. F kind of way. I, so I guess um, I don't know. I I don't have many other takeaways from that Villanova game. Um, you want to do the the obligatory don't lose to Paul uh, t- part two electric boogaloo now? Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, don't lose to Paul. Um, definitely don't do that. Um, that, that good that, advice yeah. in all in all cases. To Paul, hey, to Paul. No longer the worst Ken Palm team in the Big East. Um, that would be Xavier. Yeah, shout out Xavier. Um, Shout out Xavier, which is on a, I believe, a six-game losing streak. Yeah, it's just absurd that. Yes. Well, and I'm looking at the the conference standings right now. So talking about talking about a cluster, there's Nova ten and one. There's Marquette at nine and two. Butler, St. John, Seton Hall, Georgetown, and DePaul are all tied at five and six. Yeah, it's really gross. And then then you have Creighton, who's like the in, in like basically every next four out, um, right now. Dude, honestly, okay, this is a little bit generalizing, and they could uh, improve 
um, over the last over the last seven games, although they're extremely hampered by the fact that they don't have any chances to beat Villanova anymore. Um, but get Creighton the heck out of here, man. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Nothing about that, that resume is tournament worthy. Their best win is neutral with Clemson. Yeah, I was going like, say, it's neutral get, with Clemson. That's... Get that out of here. And they got rolled by Nebraska, who is absolutely tanking right now. They're be- they're, they've got one win in the Big East that's better than their second best non-conference win, which is East Tennessee State. Yeah. Like, get that out of here. That is not, like, I'm sorry. Like, I know that there are, like, it's wi- it's kind of widely accepted that the, the, the after Villanova and Marquette, Butler, St. John, Seton Hall, and Creighton are kind of like the four teams that are vying to try to get whatever bids are remaining for the conference. But, like, Creighton's resume sucks, man. Like, uh, 13 and 11, 4 and 7. Get that out of here. Somebody, I don't remember what bracketologist was doing it, but uh, somebody thought Georgetown was going to be the last team into the field. And I just went, uh, yeah. No, probably not. (laughs) Probably not. Honestly, on a neutral, on a neutral right now, I don't want to say full strength because it's not an accurate assessment of Creighton because they're not full strength right now, but that should still be factored into like how they would play. I, I give me Georgetown. Like I, yeah. I know like Georgetown, Georgetown's I, I want to say Georgetown's top gear is better than Creighton, but maybe that's not fair because Creighton has a knockdown shooting top gear, but Creighton, Creighton and Georgetown have played – have they played twice already? Uh, no. No. No, Creighton beat them by four in D.C. three weeks ago. Yeah. So – That's just inviting a Georgetown return win in Omaha, so. Yeah. I, come on, man. Like, Georgetown – Georgetown has produced, like – and I know Creighton basically shot the lights out of Marquette. Um, against Marquette earlier this year um, and could have easily, should have easily beaten them. But I'm just like, man, that team just doesn't execute, like, c- complete victories. And you show me a 4-7 four, a four team in this conference with nothing to speak about in the non-con is not a tournament team. I'm sorry, it's not. I agree. I, I hate their resume. Fair anyway, enough. now I say that, and they're going to shoot seventy percent from three in Milwaukee and beat us in yeah two weeks or whatever three weeks. Um, yeah, thankfully okay, we so, only have the one game, and it's the don't lose to DePaul game this week. Yeah, this is nice. Don't lose to DePaul. Okay, yeah. don't lose to DePaul preview very quickly. Done. Um, DePaul has won two straight, which is an accomplishment for DePaul. Um, including including beating Xavier away fairly convincingly. I, and I yeah. know that Xavier is the worst team in the Big East this year. but Well, it was nice for them to get that win back because they were beaten fairly convincingly by Xavier. Yeah, um, exactly. In the reverse uh, fixture, um, to use a soccer term. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Xavier's bad now, though, so that shouldn't really surprise anyone. Xavier is, Xavier is just... 
barely going to make it through the beginning of March. Um, DePaul, uh, I don't know. Uh, Marquette was not anywhere near losing to them when they came here. Uh, it was a 10-point win. Um, it never felt like Marquette would lose that lead in the second half. It felt like we couldn't put them away, but it never felt like we were going yeah, to lose Yeah, for sure. They game. hung around. Yeah. They definitely hung around. Yeah, it wasn't a... Um, it wasn't a, a blowout or anything. Um, but it was not convincing um, it, that DePaul can produce any where near the quality um, that Marquette can. Um, and looking back at that game, I believe, yeah, it was a really bad game from Max Struess. And by, by really bad, I mean really bad. Four of 17 from the floor. Yeah, like, very bad. Hilariously um, awful, which, is, which yeah. makes people like me who very unashamedly ask why people think Max Struess is as good as people think he is. Uh, you know, it's, it's stuff like that where, like, when he's on, he does kind of scare me. He doesn't strike me as, like, a first-team All-Big East player. Um, sleeper, I guess, on the, the Paul team this year is Paul Reed for Big East honors. But um, Yeah, uh, Paul Reed, I was going to say, the last two games, he's been the Ken Palm MVP yeah. of their last two games. Not, not um, saying he's going to make Big East first team, but I think he's probably been the most consistent player on their team. And then... Uh, Max, like when Max Struess is on, he's like Andrew Rousey's on steroids. Where when Rousey was on, he was insane. When Struess is on, he's insane. When he's off, he's even worse than Rousey being off. Yeah. So. Well, he hasn't really. I mean, Max Struess hasn't scored twenty points in like almost a month. That's he, a good point. He. I mean, he had like so in the non-con he had. He was in 20 he he scored 20 points in almost every non-con game that he played in. Uh before conference play um oh excuse me. Yeah, no, that, I mean he had a bad stretch, but he was he was killing it. Um it's really annoying that Ken Palm puts the usage rate right next to the points because it um it gets hard to scroll and the numbers are so similar. Anyway, mini rant over. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was, he's crushing it. He had 34 against Illinois, Chicago. He had 27 against Chicago state. He started the season with three straight 20 point games against subpar competition. Um, but yeah, in the big East, I mean, he's, he's scoring in the teens almost every game, but for a guy that's supposed to be, like you said, he's like a heater kind of shooter. Um, not really stringing together much lately. Uh, his, over his last five games, here are his three-point shooting totals. Uh, two for nine against Marquette, one for seven um, against Providence, two for nine against Villanova, three for seven against Providence, one for nine against Xavier. Oof. So, yeah, he, he's, he's, he's in a bit of a cold streak. So, I mean, Paul Reed's been their best player, and Paul Reed is actually a really interesting player. He's a solid, he's a solid player and kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, he looks like he could benefit from like an off season of very intense weightlifting, um, because he's six nine two ten and is very like he's got a very athletic build, but it's very thin. Um, so it, he feels like a guy that if he were to sort of bulk up, 
Um, and I don't know if it'd be realistic for him to bulk up to like Ed Morrow standards, but like if he was more compact, he could be a really uh, good impact player um, yeah. for DePaul. But yeah, I mean overall, um, I'm not worried about DePaul. Um, Marquette, they're... I say Marquette didn't play their best game of the season against DePaul either. No, so they, I mean, like if we come out and play fine, um, I'm not worried about this. So. Um, yeah, and again, uh, DePaul does not have a single uh, rotation player beyond their first their front seven. Like they do not, they do not have a single person that plays besides their seven guys, and their two non-starters. Although it doesn't look like Ola Joby started in their last game, it looks like they started Jalen Butts, um, but. They, yeah, I mean, those two guys, I don't think Butts or Shriner are any good. Um, so it's really, it really comes down to a, a couple of guys really need to go off for DePaul to pull off um, a victory uh, against a quality opposition. And uh, so again, please don't lose to DePaul. But I guess now that Marquette is essentially a lock for the NCAA tournament because they're at 20 wins... Um, and just got a three seed in the in the uh, bracket reveal, and um, which is still the dumbest thing known to mankind. But I don't know, like it's a it's the dumbest thing known to mankind unless your team gets like a surprisingly good rating, and then it's like, oh yeah, all right, we're killing it. Um, and that's that was my feeling. I was like, oh man, where Marquette Twitter is going to explode because we're going to get left out. We're not even going to get a four seed. And then we got a three seed, and it was like, oh, this is way better than I thought, and this is fantastic. So it's a matter of perspective, I guess, how dumb it is. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand by my take that it's just not a good thing. It's it's I, it's pointless. But the only reason I kind of like it is um, because you know so much uh, bracketology online is becoming such a prevalent thing. I mean, you look at the bracket matrix, how many, the sheer number of brackets that are in the bracket matrix is insane. It's like, it's more than a hundred. And for like, I feel like there's so much groupthink to a certain extent that goes down there um, when really there are nine-ish, I don't remember exactly how many people are on the selection committee, but there's like a very limited number of people that are making this decision and if you group think your way into having a team higher than those like dozen ish people think, uh, then I think, you know, it becomes sort of a negative exercise. So to, or or a a difficult exercise. So to a certain extent, I like to see them put out sort of a progress report on the top 16, just so uh, some of these uh, um, progress, reports that get published unofficially all the time that I try to keep up with to sort of track Marquette's progress um, are a lot more accurate. Sure. That's the only reason I like it. I was going to say, to interject real quick, and I don't, I am definitely stealing somebody's thunder from this, but somebody that was on the MUBB hashtag um, a couple of days ago, or when that came out, made a very good point about, um, because this is the first season of net ratings, and while they're not 
relying on just the net to seed teams. It's nice to see like sort of knowing what they already use um, besides net and where net's replacing RPI. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to see how, yeah, it is only one small moving cog in the machine of seeding teams, but it's nice to see like somebody, maybe it was paint touches. Maybe it was somebody on crack sidewalks. Um, but I know that somebody did a comparison of like Marquette's RPI versus like what Marquette's RPI would have been versus what Marquette's net is now. And, um, sort of how that would have maybe changed things. So, um, shout out to whoever did that really good work. I'm going to try and hunt it down later. Um, I didn't think we'd get into that, so <laughs> I didn't do my um, research. Brief RPI uh, tangent. Uh, Kansas is number one in the RPI still. Womp. Okay. So any net criticism can be directed to that fact yes. because that is utter trash. That team is still way, way over uh, regarded because they have not been nearly what they are uh, rated as um, since Azubuiki went out. So yeah, no, I, I, yeah, the net rating has greatly improved. I think my favorite part about the net rating is um, you're seeing some of these uh, mid wage, mid major teams um, pop up um, as a result. I mean, they're legitimate because of sort of the convalescence of a lot of the power six leagues being not so good at the back half this year or in the pac 12s case, the entirety. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're seeing a lot of these teams that are in the net that are like all of a sudden that would never have been in, in contention for an at large bid that are in there. I think Buffalo is obviously um, has been in the top 25 all season. So that one's not as surprising, but a team like Wofford who I've said on multiple occasions on social media that I will uh, riot if they don't make the NCAA yeah. tournament because they're 18 and four. Um, I think the two have, big ones, um, so I, I just pulled up the net rankings, and the yeah. two big ones are Wofford at 27, yep. to keep you in perspective, Marquette's in 21, at 21, so Wofford's right. at 27, and Lipscomb's at 30. Yep, So that one's awesome. Um, and then, I mean, obviously they're a known quantity now, but um, I, I guess I want to give all the plaudits in the world, to, for some reason, to Houston. For being as oh, good as they actually are, dude. Houston, have you watched them? this Yes, year? I are, have. They are great. They they like, were they are they were a Jordan Pool miracle shot away from right and Michigan last year. Exactly. That's another thing to consider is people have kind of been sleeping on them because they lost that that gray kid who was really good for them, um, and uh, so everyone just kind of was like, and they didn't since they got beat on that buzzer beater, like you said, they. They didn't even make the Sweet 16, so people just, like, didn't kind of wrote them off. And, yeah, I mean, they're 23-1, and one, and they are – now, they wouldn't be 23-1 and one in a top three conference, but they are as legit a 23-1 and one as Nevada is a 23-1. and one. Yes. Um, they're, Gonzaga and what's is 23-2. Killing, two, what's killing for Houston? Have you, so have you watched them at all this year? I have, yeah. I watched them um, – I think I watched the Temple win – um, for a little while. Sure. So they uh they have the number I 11. I watched a little bit of the Cincinnati game too at the end. Yeah. But. I was say they have the number 11 defense according to Ken Palm, including the third best defensive effective field goal percentage, the third best defense from three, seventh best defense from two, and the yeah. 15th best block rate in the nation. Like that's absurd. That's nuts. Yeah, really good defense. Um, pulling it up, it doesn't look like they're a great shooting team. That's basically their only weakness. They still have a good offense. It's a, it's uh, a little bit worse than Marquette yeah. is, I believe. 
but uh, yeah, no, it's a decent offense. They don't really turn the ball over that much though. And they, they get a lot of offensive rebounds is kind of the strength of their offense. Yeah. Um, which is good things. I mean, good shooting teams can have off nights. So, um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, I, I am really, I'm really hoping the committee goes all in, uh, this year on sort of letting these mid-majors that are having impressive seasons have at-large bids that would normally go to, like, Indiana or, like, uh, like Nebraska or something, like one of those, like, really, like, absolutely flagging Big Ten teams. Talk about talk about rioting about the big, or the NCAA tournament. If Nebraska makes it, we should burn it all down and start again. Yeah, no, absolutely. They're just complete. I mean, they've already lost, like, they lost, um, what's-his-face from Georgetown. Oh, yeah, Isaac Copeland, been, yeah. Yeah, Isaac Copeland, um, and they haven't been the same since. Um, but anyway, I'm glad that they're, I mean, they wouldn't have been really worth it anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I love the net this year because, like, I, I was listening to um, Rob Doster's NBC podcast today, um, and they had, uh, uh, they were talking about the possibility of a three-bid SoCon, which I just... I just love that so much. They're talking about uh, it. W- I think it was going to be uh, because Wofford obviously has been the standout in that conference, and they're 27 in the net, and Greensboro is 45 in the net. Um, and so they were saying like Greensboro beats Wofford down the stretch here, and then um, uh, East Tennessee State and Furman. Furman is 56 in the net, and East Tennessee State is 75. And so they were saying that, like, if one of those teams win the tournament and Wofford and UNC Greensboro both, like, are, like, in the 30s in the net, basically, then, like, it, it would be just, like, a crazy, like, convalescence where they get three three teams in the Southern Conference, which I don't even know if that team has ever gotten two bids, let alone three. I'm but all think, for the wild stuff this year, man. Yeah, man, because it's just, like, overall, like, I actually think the quality of the t- the top of the uh, country is pretty good this year. Um, depending on how the Michigan schools hold up um, over the next um, month or so, you've got eight pretty solid teams at the top. Um, plus, then like the sort of the mid major uh, darlings with um, Houston and Nevada. People and... will fight you about Houston being a mid major, so. I, I think I disagree. Uh, I'm sorry. AAC is a crap conference. Um, but yeah, whatever power eight or whatever they say, or group of eight, I don't even know what it is. Um, but yeah, it's crappy. And then you've got like a couple of fringe big 10 teams out in sort of the next tier. Then the two big East teams are around there somewhere. And then your mileage varies with whatever you can make of the big 12. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I, the, the, the middle, the middle class to, you know, fringe tournament teams this year. It's just a lot of garbage. Um, and like Florida 12 and 11 in the SEC, 12 and 11 out of the SEC, I would much, much rather see, um, like a Wofford or a VCU or something, some, something interesting coming out of that. And I think the net, um, another team we didn't mention is Utah state, um, who's 43 in Ken Palm and 39 in the net and is 17 and six, like teams like that. I think there are a lot of opportunities for them this year. And with uh, conferences like the big 10, like intentionally playing um, 20 game schedules to, to t- try to maximize their uh, tournament. 
uh, presence and sort of squeeze out some of these teams, I really like to see the the selection committee go all in and and be nice to some of the small schools because I think it's a lot more fun um, than seeing like a crappy ninth place team in the Big Ten of the ACC. It's much more interesting to see like a a mid major like Wofford, which is just completely like I mean, I, dude, I'm telling you, man, I Wofford. Wofford's Ken Palm profile is is next level. Like, just the depth that they have and, like, just all of it. I mean, they're one spot ahead of Marquette and Ken Palm right now, and I, I'm i just I, – I couldn't I couldn't be more uh, – I have a mid-major crush on Wofford. Like, yeah, I mean, like – and I'm looking at their resume too and sort of one shellacking at Kansas. Um, they beat South Carolina away by 20. Yeah, I mean, um, like, that's cr- crazy win. South Carolina kind of sucks, but yeah. it's still a good win. Um, they they've lost. Uh, they they got to play North Carolina at home, which is kind of nice. Lost to North Carolina, you know. Yeah, but I mean, they won that game last exactly. year. Exactly. Um, um, and so it's like it's they they know how to play against tough competition. And again, like a team like Furman, which is in their conference and beat Villanova earlier this year. Um, and again, like Greensboro and East Tennessee, those are all top hundred Ken Palm teams, all top 75 net teams. And they've beaten all three of them too. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I could not be more all in on Wofford. And I I think just driving my point home is that they're the fourth best three point shooting team in the country. They have a guy in Fletcher McGee that's attempted 238 threes this year. Let it fly, baby. Yeah, and he was the one guy that when Jeff Goodman put out his list of the 20 best shooters in college basketball, he's the one guy he put ahead of Marcus Howard going into the year. And besides him, the other two guys that usually play in their backcourt um, are even better percentage-wise. I mean, their point guard in sort of a limited sample, I mean, he's only shot 67 threes on the year, so that's something around like three a game. But he's the third best. He's a 52% three-point shooter. And, like, this team is just – I need this team. And their mascot is the Terriers, perfect for, like, the Instagram era. I I just need – I need this team to, like – and I need more teams of their ilk to sort of take over March Madness this year because um, I think, you know, all of major college basketball right now, mainstream college basketball right now, is Zion Williamson, Zion Williamson, Zion Williamson. And then, like, if we're lucky, like, some discussion about, um, you know, like, uh, who's next after Duke. But there's just so much fun stuff going on right now. And um, I I hope that the NCAA embraces the mid-major and also embraces Marquette and uh, makes them uh, a three seed because I do not want to, I would much rather play a two seed in the sweet 16 than a a one seed this year. Yeah. I think I'm with you on that. Um, Taking a quick peek to drive your point home even more. um, Plus we get the, uh, the, the, the new segment uh, in, uh, Illinois is five and eight in the Big Ten, and Indi- oh yeah, and Indiana is four and nine. Yeah, so, hey Illinois, our, our weekly Illinois it's, update. It's um, it's not what you want, man. Like, I, I, it is what I want. I'm fantastically okay with this because it's you know, uh, Illinois. Let's go. But drop to seventy one in Ken Palm though. Although three wins in a row, what a what a time to be alive if you're an Illinois fan. Yeah, it's uh, it's wacky. But, but like a huge, Indi- a huge win over Butkers, um, 
in overtime this past weekend at home. Just a just a statement win Not for the, Brad Underwood's M- boys. A Maryland win, a Nebraska win, a Michigan. The Michigan State upset is still just wild. Yeah. Okay. To my larger point, though, man, like I don't want to see this garbage in the tournament. Yeah, like in, Minnesota, Indi- Indiana has no place right now. Like get Minnesota too. Get Minnesota out of here. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to watch that. Like I know Minnesota's got like they've got a really good inside guy that Brad Davidson tried to break his ankle the other night. Oh yeah, Jordan Murphy, um, right? Yeah, and we can talk about that if you want briefly. But like, get these like just malaise, like mid sixty Ken Palm, big conference ninth place finishers out of here this year. Yeah, give me some give me some fun teams in there. Um. And yeah, a brief Brad Davidson uh, no, conversation. No, no, let's not do that, please, for the no. love of God. Can we not do that? Did you think? Did you watch? I'm just curious because I have actually been wanting to wanting to run this by someone. Did you think the Teskey video was a nut shot? Um, the fact I wasn't convinced because like I want I want so badly to believe that this guy is just like going to be a scourge and running around punch people in the nuts. Like the Marquette fan in me wants to believe that that's happening. Um, but I, I don't know. It, it, it was super sketchy and yeah, I, I hate to admit that I sort of as a Pruder film watched um, <laughs> a dude, maybe not get punched in the nuts about 10 times to try to figure out if it actually happened, but I'm not, uh, I'm not convinced that it happened. And I think while Brad, uh, certainly has gotten carried away on a number of occasions, the Jordan Murphy one is by far the worst one of the bunch so far. Yeah, um, I would agree. Uh, I I did not subrute or film it, thank God, because I don't want to see that garbage on my screen. But um, yeah, I mean that. Uh, I, I the 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 less the like the less I can talk about Brad Davidson, the better. So I'm gonna leave it at um the fact that we're giving him the benefit of the doubt on a play like that should probably mean something. But I also really want him to continue being a horrible person as long as it's not getting guys hurt. Because he's so easily hateable, and I want the rest of the college basketball world to hate him too. So yeah, I mean, like I, I don't know, I would I mind the if Brad Davidson became now now there's not the ceiling to what Grayson Allen got, just by virtue of the fact that Grayson Allen played at Duke, Brad Davidson played at Wisconsin, plays at Wisconsin. But I would not mind, like, ESPN, like, basically the only time they mention Wisconsin this year and next year. Um, and especially if it, like, detracts from, like, Ethan Happ conversation. Like, if, it, if it's like, oh, the, the thing about Wisconsin is that they have a little guard who punches people in the balls. Like, I would love that. Like, that would be hilarious. So I guess that's sort of what I'm cheering for. Um, but I guess... I'm also sort of anti um, going after a kid. Like again, the Zapruder film stuff. Like, I like it's a it's a little bit much. Like I want I love the narrative, um, but I also don't want to force it. He should have to earn it, you know. Yeah, that's fair. Um, sheesh. So I'm watching this, and Kyle Guy just hit a shot in some dude's face. Or, Dude, big big Kyle Guy here. Uh, I'm not because he plays for you know, the most disgusting, some known mankind in Bennett ball, but, 
Dude, honestly, like I They're finally I like, not miserable to watch this year. No, dude, I kinda like their offense this year because it's so pretty. Just it's like ix, ix, Ixnay on that though, Ixnay on that. We can't let that out. Can't let yeah, that out. Yeah, no. I, I don't I don't I don't um buy necessarily that like they're all of a sudden fixed and not boring. But like there's something about watching those three little guards like run off picks and just get wide open for three and like shoot the lights out that is really entertaining and i haven't watched him closely enough because i've heard the name kihei clark um but going into tonight i didn't realize just like how little that human being is and that is actually really entertaining because that guy is super small and like but like a really solid point guard and i always like those kind of players as well that's fair I just I still can't bring myself to cheer for Bennett Ball, so yeah, can't. Do I mean, it. what I don't mind about it necessarily is that he goes up against Duke and North Carolina all the time, and those are just like, you know, like the big bads of college basketball, basically, like the just the traditional powers, cockiest fans, like all of that. So I don't really mind. Uh, it from that perspective especially because also like the teams in that conference are like louisville and syracuse and like all these teams i really don't like um but uh yeah i don't know it's an entertaining game right now by the way yeah um, it is i think hit in his face good... kobe darn oh well <laughs> um this is as good a time as any probably yeah. to wrap it up um, so, as you can tell um we beat villanova and had good things to say about that we didn't have anything to say about DePaul except don't lose. We just got to ramble tonight, and it was fun. Yeah, please don't lose to DePaul. Yeah, please, for the love we of don't, God, don't, don't respectfully. do Respectfully. And actually, it, it's kind of, I don't know, the time off that they have now, because after DePaul, they don't play for eight days, which is kind of interesting, um, just from a scheduling standpoint, but also from, like, what kind of effect will that have. Um, but I, that's a conversation for another day. Um, right now, I think we all agree that this program is at a really good point um, and we are more excited probably um, at least I am more excited about this team than I have been um, in a really long time and um, I'm looking forward to this last month um, but I'm even more looking forward to what's to come after that because uh, this is shaping up with these kind of wins to be potentially a really awesome year for Marquette. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess my my parting words would be: um, It used to be crap. Are we on the right side of the bubble? Man, I wish we wouldn't have lost to DePaul. Man, I wish we wouldn't have lost to Providence at home. It used to be that kind of discussion where how can we get to twenty wins? How can we get to you know five hundred or better in the Big East? And now it's like, man, I really hope we're a three seed so I get to go to like. I can drive to Des Moines instead of having to fly yeah, to Salt exactly. Lake City, you know? Like, yeah. it's so nuts to be able to have that switch in conversation. So, um, yeah. It's a, be- it's a it's a nice switch in conversation. Yes, I like that is. conversation a lot better. Yes, I do too. But I guess uh, until... I, I guess we'll have one next week. Do we? Are we going to wait until after the uh, game next Wednesday? I would say probably a Butler pre... Eh. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Until until next time. Sometime next week. <laughs> vaguely next time. Please, for the love of all that's holy, don't lose, lose to the Paul. Paul.